Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. So, welcome back, by the way. Hour number two. Um, I traded LaShawn McCoy in a fantasy football league this weekend. Yeah. I was hoping the Bills would be the one to trade him, but uh, I was the one to trade him. So, here was my thought process. Now I'm looking at McCoy from a fantasy point of view. And the way I always analyze fantasy players is, alright, they need to, especially if you're a running back. What makes a good like a great fantasy running back. Like, how can you get in a starting lineup? You need to check to even get in in the first place. Like, if you're going to be good at all, you got to check one of a couple boxes. You either have to get lots of catches, lots of receptions, especially if it's a PPR league. You need to get touchdowns. Or you need to get a big volume of carries. Now, the elite, elite fantasy running backs, like David Johnson, for instance, always comes to mind. He's perfect because he does all three. He's their short yardage guy, so he gets the touchdowns. He's their receptions guy, so he gets tons of catches. And he's their best running back. He's their three-down guy, so he gets a lot of volume carry-wise. Checks all three boxes. Todd Gurley, last couple years, same thing. And why is Todd Gurley kind of taking a hit fantasy-wise this year? It's because... Well, he's certainly not going to check at least one of those boxes. They drafted Daryl Henderson. He is dynamic. He is fast. He's a great pass-catching back. He's just a great back overall. I love him. He was my number one back, excuse me, going into the first uh, of the draft. So, to me, you look at those guys, and then you look at what, what's McCoy. What, what boxes does he check? To me, Frank Gore's here. You drafted Devin Singletary. You signed TJ Yeldon. What's McCoy's role going to be? Like, which one of those boxes is he going to check? And if he's on the team in general, because I've brought this up before, they have four running backs that don't play special teams. Add Devin Singletary into that. He didn't play special teams in college. I guess you could have him do it here in the NFL. But you've got three running backs that have not done it in their careers in Yeldon, Gore, and McCoy, and you have another guy who never did it in college as a rookie. So something's got to give. Someone's got to go. If not two guys. I think only one probably, though. 
McCoy could be it. Because, and if he, best case scenario, he's on the team in 2019. That's best case scenario for him. At least, you know, unless he went to another team and got like some bell cow running back spot. He, is he going to get the receptions? I think I'd favor Yeldon to do that right now. Is he going to get the short yardage? Is he going to get the touchdowns? I think you get on the one-yard line. I think Frank Gore's coming in the game. Is he going to get the enough volume carry-wise? And I don't see that either. Because you've got three other guys now eating off his plate. Gore's going to get his carries. Singletary's going to get his carries. He should. You're not going to draft a guy in round three, I hope, and then scratch him on game days. That would be ridiculous. So I'd have to think Singletary is going to eat off that plate. Gore is. Yeldon, probably not so much, but maybe a little bit. So what's left? What's left for LaShawn McCoy? And that brings me back to, why is he even here then? What's he going to do for you? You have a guy who could be your pass catcher. You have a guy who could be your short yardage guy and can eat up a lot of volume. I mean, Gore was more efficient last year, amazingly, at age 50 than McCoy was. And, you know, Singletary is the guy you're hoping, I'm assuming, you draft him in the third round, you're hoping he can be your starting running back for the future. And if you had looked around the league and looked at what running backs do in the NFL, they usually show up, and if they're good, they're good right away. It's not often that a running back becomes like really good in the NFL and he just doesn't do anything year one. Usually they're good as rookies, if not very good. And Singletary is just another example of, to me, I don't think the, the Bills say they have big plans still for McCoy. They say that they still want him to be the starting running back, but I'm not buying it. I am not buying it. I don't think you draft a guy in the third round. I don't think you sign Frank Gore. I don't think you sign TJ Yeldon if you believe that. I think actions speak louder than words in this situation. And I, I'll be honest, I do not believe the Bills when they say that LaShawn McCoy is going to be their starting running back in 2019. I won't be surprised if he is. But I don't know why you sign and draft all these guys then. If you really believe that he's your guy and that you're confident in him. I think there's a very good chance he's not on the team in 2019. Um, and the other thing about third round picks, like that's a I love that the Bills did that. I, I've been a big supporter of them drafting Devin Singletary. I'm a little worried about him as a prospect. The fact he doesn't really have that home run speed, he doesn't have that take it to the house speed. Like if he gets in the open field, I'm not so sure he's gonna be out to run the safeties in the corners to get the end zone. But he does seem like a guy who's going to get into open field and is going to be an efficient running back. He reads a lot and looks a lot like De- Devontae Freeman to me. Watched a lot of film on Singletary. And I think if you watch a lot of Falcons football, um, you kind of get a sense of what Devontae Freeman is. Like he's smaller, like short, he's shorter, but he's still powerful and he's good. Like he's good cutting, he's shifty, he's good at finding the holes. But then once he breaks into the open space, you're not always so confident he's going to outrun everybody. That's kind of, and he's good like in the pass catching, like everything. Kind of an all-around back. That's kind of what Singletary reads like to me. So if he's that, like you did, they did a great job drafting him in the third round. That is the perfect spot to go with a running back. The last 10 running backs in the NFL that were selected in the third round before this year, it's a great list. These are the last 10 running backs, last 10 third-round running backs before this season. Royce Freeman, he didn't do a whole lot in his first year. Donta Foreman, those are like the two most recent guys, and those are probably going to be the worst of the list. And even them, like they'll get their carries, and they might become something more. They might get their starting roles at some point, but not great. Okay, let's keep going. Elvin Kamara, one of the best running backs in football, one of the most complete running backs in football. 
dude was putting up top five in the league statistical seasons at the position, despite the fact he had Mark Ingram vulturing touchdowns and vulturing carries away from him for two years. Great, great player. Kareem Hunt, off the field stuff is disgusting. But on the field, super good for the Chiefs. Third round pick. James Conner, third round pick. Came in last year, was actually more efficient statistically than Le'Veon Bell had been for them. Is he a better player? Uh, maybe hold off on that at this point. It's only been one year. But he looks like a stud after one season starting for the Steelers. Kenyon Drake has actually been really good for the Dolphins. Adam Gase has been criticized a lot. I mean, he got fired. But before that, he was criticized a lot in Miami because he just refused to use Kenyon Drake. He wouldn't use him. But he's been really good when he's been on the field. So Kenyon Drake, third-round pick. C.J. Procise, more of a pass-catching back, has ran into injuries a lot in Seattle, so hard to use him as an example um, of it being great. But, like, still a guy that Seattle likes to use. Tevin Coleman is next. Just signed a deal in San Francisco. He's probably the favorite to be their starting running back. Pretty good in Atlanta. It was tough for him to break through, though, uh, with Devontae Freeman there. But, like, a good running back. Duke Johnson. Who, Bills fans, like Nate Geary especially, here at the station, really wants the Bills to trade for him. Really good pass-catching back. Like, just a good, solid back. And with Nick Chubb there and Kareem Hunt, like, there were a lot of rumors around the... Browns maybe trading him. I think actually Duke Johnson demanded a trade, if I'm remembering correctly, from the Browns, but they did not honor that request, at least to this point. Final running back on that list. The last 10 running backs selected in the third round, David Johnson. I love that player. I think he's the best running back in football. I think he's the most complete running back in football. I think he was a victim of the most basic-looking offense in the NFL last year, the least productive offense in the NFL last year. I think it was almost impossible for him to look like the superstar running back that I think he can be in that offense, but still managed to be a top 10 running back statistically. And you saw a couple years ago when that offense is pretty good, like he's unstoppable. He's, he'd be a lot, he'd probably been a solid wide receiver in the league. He lined, he lined up wide a lot in his career in Arizona to this point and was beating corners. Like, he wasn't even being covered by linebackers. They were putting corners on him, and he was getting open. So he is a special talent, and he was a third-round pick. And that's just kind of highlights of what you have at that position. That's where you draft them. And the Bills did that with Devin Singletary. I'm not saying Devin Singletary is going to be David Johnson or Alvin Kamara or Kareem Hunt or James Conner or even Kenyon Drake, Tevin Coleman. But the odds are pretty good. The odds are pretty good he will become that if the Bills got it right with the scouting, and with that pick. And you're hoping they did. The only part of me that's hesitant to believe that they did, other than the odds, looking at third-round running backs, is they have royally screwed up that position over the past few years. Everything they've seemed to do there hasn't worked. They thought Mike Tolbert, after years of playing fullback for the Panthers, he wasn't even playing the position they brought him in and they thought he was going to be the, the number two guy to McCoy. And it blew up in their face and they had to sign uh, Travars Cadet to give them some sort of presence behind McCoy. So they screwed that up. Then they signed Chris Ivory and he's gone after one year. He was okay last year for what he was, but like just, just veteran running backs, you can't count on being here for a long time. Like I think that's the position they've mismanaged the most, but like, maybe this is a step in the right direction now uh, with Devin Singletary. So, 
it was a little wrap on the uh, on the running backs. And to me, like all of that points to McCoy maybe being in danger of being cut. And I think that's where you got to go now because I don't see a trade market. I don't see a trade market for McCoy. I thought the Eagles maybe would have wanted him back considering the reports they did at the trade deadline last year. They they drafted Miles Saunders. I don't see them doing that now. Now actually, not only did they draft him, they traded for Jordan Howard before that. They're set. The only team in Oakland drafted Josh Jacobs. The only team that I can look at that I'm like, okay, yeah, they could do it, is Tampa. They don't really address that position. They might truly believe that Ronald Jones is going to come in and be a starting running back for them at some point, but he hasn't shown that at this point. The dude couldn't even get on the field. He couldn't even be active for game days last year. It seemed like if he wasn't a second-round pick, he would have been cut in training camp last year. So he's there. I'm sure they're hoping for improvement. And then it's Peyton Barber, who's just a good guy. He's okay. He's just a guy, though. He doesn't offer anything special. And I'm not saying McCoy offers anything special at this point in his career, but I think you'd have to look at him and think that he's an upgrade. 803 is the phone number if you want to get in on McCoy, the replay discussion from earlier, or also on the Sabres coach search. We've been hitting it all here on the nightcap. We'll get to our interview of the day in about 15 minutes. Rich Samini talking some AFC East on One Bills Live. We'll do some football then. Um, let's go to the phone line. Jack in Buffalo. You're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing tonight? Good. How about you? Good. I think you made a good move on McCoy. Father time wins, so I think he's done. Yep. So good for you. But my question is basically going back to this coach search. Okay. One thing I missed in your program, if the, if the Sabres were interested in Keith, how does that work in the NHL if, if a team wants to interview him? Do they have to give up compensation? Or is it a situation where this guy's improving his career and he's able to interview with his own choice. I don't think they have to give up compensation. I think that happens a lot with like former coaches. Like the Sabres, for instance, they had to do this with Dan Bilesma. They actually kind of traded a third-round pick to be able to hire Dan Bilesma. Um, but I think since it would be a promotion, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm pretty sure that since it would be a promotion, I don't think the Sabres would have to give anything up. Now, I do believe that they'd have to request to interview him. So the Leafs, I think, might have some control, some say in this matter. Um, but it, I don't. The Sabers would not have to give like compensation or anything. Well, I think in the big uh, picture, it would push Toronto making their decision who they want to be their coach next year. It would put a Babcock and this guy on the spot. Well, that was kind of the thought. Thanks for the call, man. Like that was the thought process last week. Now it, that's kind of taken a hit since Dubas says Babcock's going to be the coach next year. Um, maybe that means no one's really pressed Keefe. Or really tried to hire him. Or maybe they've made a decision. Like, anything could have happened here. Keefe could have wanted to stay with the Marlies. See if he can wait out Babcock. Uh, Babcock maybe has accepted that Keefe will be on his staff next year as an assistant coach. Or maybe the Leafs have accepted that Keefe's leaving. Or is going to explore other jobs. I don't know. It could be any of those. Um, Yeah, I liked the idea last week of the Sabres just trying to go after Keefe just for the sheer fact that you'd be throwing uh, the Leafs into a tailspin. You'd be forcing them to make a decision. And I love the idea of that. But I, it's not sounding like it's going in that direction. At least on Toronto's side of things. Um, they said Babcock's going to be there next year. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of happy about that. Like I, I don't want the Sabres to hire Babcock if he got fired. But Keith is like my 1B candidate after Gromberg. So to have him still out there, that leaves at least some sort of possibility he could be the next Sabre coach, and that's one of my favorite ideas. So it doesn't look like he's going to be Toronto's coach next year, which maybe would have upped the odds that he's going to be the Sabre coach by at least a little bit. But I still wouldn't put him as the favorite or anything. 
I think I had him when I did my uh, odds earlier. Fourth, maybe. Yeah, fourth. Behind Tippett, Gronberg, uh, and uh, Jacques Martin. 803-0550 is the phone number. Thanks for the call, Jack. We'll take a time out here. We'll get to Rich Samini when we come back. Talk some AFC East on the nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. doesn't matter I mean it's you know you, you, you have to play um, you got to do what you have to do to win the game and uh, if you know if you, if you can't do it you can't do it um, but our guys are in great shape and um, we got a day's rest uh, they'll be ready to go I mean we didn't play 65 minutes like uh, Jokic did so we should be fine Steve Kerr the head coach of the Golden State Warriors old foe of his might uh, be about to be in his conference Tyron Liu might be the next coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, certainly trending that way, according to reports. Sorry, there's like fighting going on in the NHL playoffs right now. Chara's got his helmet off. Rask is getting mad. Anyways, Bruins and uh, Blue Jackets still scoreless. Um, NBA playoffs have been really good. This has been the best second round that I can remember. Every series is competitive. Hoping that the Rockets win just to keep that series close. Golden State goes up 3-1. It's going to feel like that's pretty much over. Um, but otherwise, everything's been great. The, the Denver-Portland series, I'm a Denver fan, so I am already got biased towards liking that series. But you had a four-overtime game, first time since 1953. That was great. That whole series has been competitive and close. Um, Milwaukee-Boston is on right now. That series has been close. Philadelphia and uh, Toronto has been good. Kawhi Leonard's been a beast. Like everything in the NBA in the second round's been good, and part of that is why that part of that's because you got Rockets and Warriors. If you had Golden State going up against Portland, no offense to Portland, but I'm thinking they probably would have rolled them. Maybe not, but I would have guessed that that would have been the case. And then you would have had one series is kind of a dud. That kind of would have stunk. All right, eight zero three zero five fifty is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation. We've talked a lot about replay tonight, Sabers coach search. And also uh, LaShawn McCoy as well. I traded him in fantasy this weekend. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And there's a lot of reasons I think the Bills should uh, maybe think about doing the same if they even have a chance at this point. I don't really think they would be able to trade him. End of the, end of the day. Like, are they going to be able to do it? Who's, le- who's left out there that's not Tampa that might look for a running back? Uh, I don't see it. Um, let's uh, continue to talk some football. AFC East talk. Rich Cimini covers the Jets and also the entire AFC East for ESPN. He was on with uh, John Murphy and Steve Tasker earlier today on One Bills Live to interview the day, and we'll play that back here. Here's Rich Cimini with the guys. Joining us right now on the line, the ESPN NFL Nation Jets reporter, contributor on NFL Live on ESPN. He's covered the Jets for over 30 years. Happy to have Rich Cimini on the line with us. Rich, John Murphy, and uh, Chris Brown here in Buffalo. Thank you for coming on with us today. Thanks for having me on, guys. Your thoughts on the Jets draft in general before we dive into a couple of picks. Uh, what do you think, Rich? Uh, well, I, you know, I thought uh, I love the first pick. I mean, Quinn and Williams, I think, is destined for big things in the NFL. I think if you ask around the league, I think a lot of teams had him as the number one player on their draft board. And uh, I personally, and I've, I wrote this several times, but I, I would have taken Josh Allen personally just because he's, you know, fit a bigger, uh, bigger need. They need an outside rushing linebacker. Uh, but I'm not going to kill him over taking arguably the best player in the draft. After that, uh, you know, it kind of falls off for me a little bit. You know, they took some shots in the third round on a couple of guys. 
uh, Chuma Adoga, a tackle out of USC, and uh, Ja'Kai Polite, a pass rusher out of Florida, who was very productive. Both those guys has, have some off-the-field character issues. And so, you know, for me, uh, it was okay because I think Quinnen will be a great player. But after that, you know, just some, some reaches, and they came out of it. They didn't hit some of their primary needs. Hey, Rich, what did you make of the draft day report, which has since been, I, guess, I don't know, denied, but uh, disputed about the, the Bills and maybe others contacting the Jets about that third overall pick? Was there anything to that much there, do you think? Yeah, well, I, was, I, I put out that report myself, and it was definitely the team's talked. Uh, I think you'll get different versions on how far along the talks were. I know I spoke to someone from another team, who was convinced that the Jets were trading that pick. Uh, I never reported where they were trading it to. I didn't know where they were going. But there was at least one other team out there who was convinced that the Jets were trading that pick. And, um, you know, I think some people were connecting the dots because they had talked to the Bills that they would trade it to the Bills. I, I mean, that never really added up to me. Why would the Jets basically hand over Quinn and Williams to right. their division rival? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that didn't really add up. The Jets would have had to have received a lot more than what it says on the trade value chart to, yeah. for them to make that trade with yeah. the Bills. And Brandon Bean pretty much affirmed that. I think really the the impetus for Brandon Bean to talk as much as he did with Mike McCagnan was rooted in trying to get a sense as to which way they were going because I think they were trying to ascertain whether they were going to do what you were just talking about, Rich, whether it was going to be Josh Allen or Quinn and Williams, because I think he's trying to map out the picks behind him after that. So I think he was trying to mine for some, some leanings on the part of Mike. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Mike being a veteran front office guy probably didn't give him very much, but I think that, I think it was exploratory in nature. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's quite possible. Like I remember Mike McCagnan telling me one time a couple of years ago that when you trade within the division, he goes, there's a division tax as he called it. And so that means the team you're trading with would have to pay a little bit extra. And uh, so I'm sure he was asking for a lot to move out of that spot. And the Jets had a really high regard for Quinnen, obviously. I I believe he was second on their draft board. I I think Nick Bosa was higher than than, uh, Williams on their board. But the Jets were putting out a lot of smoke about how they were going to take Ed Oliver, and I think you noticed a lot of mock drafts a few days before the drafts coming out saying they were going to take Ed Oliver, and they were never going to take Ed Oliver with the third pick. It was it was always going to be Quinn and Williams. It, you know, he was probably the best player available for sure, and so that's the way they went. You, you said that you didn't feel like the Jets addressed all of their needs, or as many as maybe they could have, in your opinion, so where do you feel there's still a void on this Jets roster coming out of the draft now? Well, several, but since we probably had a short amount of time here, we'll just limit it to a couple. Uh, you know, center and cornerback were two coming in that uh, I think they definitely wanted to try to address but just didn't get it done in the draft. Right now their starting center is Jonathan Harrison, who's been primarily a career backup. He did start uh, several games at the end of last season as an injury replacement to Spencer Long, who's now with the Bills. But uh, he's okay. But, you know, they they really would like to upgrade. I thought they were going to take a center. And a cornerback is a huge issue for them. They uh, There's still a chance they can re-sign Mo Claiborne, who, who's been a starter for them the last two years. He's floating out there in free agent limbo. 
and I do think there's a chance they'll get him back. But they did try to trade up into the second round to get a corner and uh, were unable to get that done. Are the Jets, uh, Chris and I were talking about this last hour, Rich, are the Jets still committed to playing a 3-4 defense, or does Greg Williams change things up there, do you think? Well, they're saying 3-4. That's what they're saying publicly. But I think we know Greg Williams, you know, both our you know, fan bases, to know that he's going to mix it up a lot. He's going to play multiple fronts. Um, I'm sure there'll be times where it'll look like a 4-3. I mean, we all know teams play nickel probably – you know, what, 60, 65% of the time teams are in nickel defense. So you're going to see them rushing four anyway. Uh, but right now, you know, if you're asking me what they're saying for public consumption is that it's going to be a 3-4. And then just with respect to all the rumblings that were happening draft weekend, uh, and, I'm, and forgive me, Rich, I can't remember if you reported this or I saw it from someone else, uh, just about the rift uh, or the supposed alleged rift between Gase and McCagnan. I mean, there were some people even speculating if McCagnan was going to be out of a job after the draft was over. I mean, where, yeah. how much well, smoke was, was there? How much smoke was there, and how much might really be at play in terms of their relationship? Yeah, first of all, that part was crazy. The Jets are not going to fire Mike McCagnan. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, they just let him spend you know two hundred million dollars in free agency in total contracts, and they let him make the third pick in the draft. They're not going to turn around and fire the guy. Um, you know, just for uh, transparency, I mean, that was the uh, Mike Lombardi in The Athletic and uh, also uh, Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com initially reported that there was a rift between uh, the two men. Uh, I, I did some additional reporting, and from what I've told, I think there were there was some frustration on Adam's part, Adam Gase, during free agency over certain decisions that were made. And um, whatever friction there was, I've been told, has been smoothed over. So I think they're in a good place right now. And, um, you know, it's it's a little disconcerting, though. I mean, these guys have only been working together for a few months, and they've already had some issues. Um, the people who told me that there were issues now say that, you know, they had a they smoked the peace pipe and everything's cool and they're moving forward. So that's encouraging. I think they've moved past that. The stuff about Mike losing his job, though, was just not was not even within the realm of possibility. What would the issues be about? Would it be about uh, certain draft picks or a lack no, of emphasis in the free free agents? I think I think Adam wanted to sign Matt Paradis, the center, who uh, ended up going to Carolina. The Jets were really interested in him, but never really made an offer. Uh, I think that was one issue. There was uh, really small, a couple of smaller decisions. There was a report that Gase was upset the Jets spent so much on Le'Veon Bell. Uh, but I, I question the validity of that. I mean, why would a head coach be – I mean, they really don't concern themselves with the salary cap or anything like that. So I can't uh, – that would surprise me a little bit. I think there was just some frustration with Adam. You have to remember with Gase in Miami, he had – control of the 53-man roster, right. which he did, which he does not have with the Jets. So there might be a little bit of an adjustment period for him going going from having it to not having it. Are you, are you surprised that, as of right now, they don't have a better answer than Jonathan Harrison? I know you mentioned that as a, a position you thought they'd address. Do you think they try to find somebody drifting out in free agency or might even pick somebody up that, that may get clipped uh, – you know, early in training camp. I mean, could they, could it go that long for them? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they don't want it to go that long. I mean, there's just not anyone out there now. I right. think John Sullivan's out there. Uh, 
the guy with the Eagles whose name is escaping me. Where they Kelsey? Had for a visit. No, not Kelsey. Wisniewski. Um, oh, Stefan uh, Wisniewski. Okay. Yeah, so they had him in for a visit before the draft. And uh, I'm not sure they're better than Harrison. But, you know, Harrison, he started, I think, 28 games in his career. So it's not like he's a total, you know, neophyte at the position. It's just that I, I just really think they'd like to upgrade there. And it's super important with a young quarterback. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really need a, a veteran-type guy who could uh, shoulder some of the burden with the pre-snap calls and calling protections and just taking some of that off of the quarterback. So it's, I'm not saying Harrison can't do it. He's just not – he hasn't had a chance to do it a lot. We're with Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN NFL Nation. Rich, I want to ask you about – a move, uh, actually a non-move last week, no fifth-year option put on former first-round draft pick uh, Darren Lee, the linebacker. Are his days numbered then with New York? I mean, is this going to be it this year with him? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that was the most expected move that the Jets have made in a long time. Uh, you could see that the minute C.J. Mosley signed that record-setting contract in free agency, you knew Darren's time would be greatly affected Uh they didn't pick up the option, of course. It would have been $9.5 million. It would have been silly to do that. Now the question is, how long will he remain on the team? They've been trying to trade him. They will continue to try to trade him, maybe for a center. Who knows? Uh, but I, I don't think they're going to get much for him. I, I was told before the draft, maybe a fifth-round pick. At this point, it's probably even lower. My opinion is, just keep him. You know, you could use him as a as a nickel linebacker. He could come in on third down. The one thing Darren does well is he can cover, play in space, and, and you know, facing those passing offenses. So he's not a bad player. He actually improved last year after after two really subpar first two seasons. He got better last year, but he ended it on the suspension list for a substance abuse violation, and that really put a sour taste in the organization's mouth. And um, my gut is that he's not on the opening day roster. It's oh, just wow. a matter of. I was like, I don't think I was like him. I always thought, and, and and you know, there was interest in him, as you know, uh, with uh, the Rex Ryan group here. But so I've kept an eye on him, and I, I like you just said, Rich. I thought he was got better last year. I think he's a pretty decent player, pretty good player, isn't he? Yeah, it depends what kind of defense you're running. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Jets ran a three-four in the Todd Bowles, and they had him play inside. And you know, he's not a, a downhill linebacker. You right. know, he's got to be. You know, if you split him out and have him cover a slot receiver yeah, or cover a running back, he can do okay there. Yeah, he's a space but, player. Yeah, if you have him in the box, it's tough on him. He's six one, you know, two thirty, and uh, he gets pushed around. I mean, I know there was a segment of the Bills organization. I, I think like the front office people wanted Darren Lee. There was no way Rex Ryan was going to draft Darren Lee. I mean, uh, I think he would have tendered his resignation before he would have drafted <laughs> Darren Lee. Um, so yeah, that's what their interest was all about. Rex is, is not a, and it's this. This is not breaking information. He's been quoted recently talking about Darren Lee. He just doesn't think he's a very good linebacker right. at all. And um, but you know he, he's he's not the most physical player, but he's a good athlete. He needs to mature off the field. He's got some issues he's got to handle. But I still think for the price that they have him this year, I think the cap number is about three million. So I would just keep him on the roster and let him play out his contract, and maybe you get a comp pick, you know, in free agency next year, and as opposed to just trading him away for basically nothing. Hey, Rich, uh, tell me about uh, Le'Veon Bell. Is he still not showed up for the offseason workouts? What's his status? 
Well, he did for the first week, and then he disappeared. And uh, I don't know what's going on this week, but I know as of last week he had, so he missed a couple. And uh, he missed that voluntary mini camp, which was really not even a mini camp. I think it was it was like a walkthrough, basically. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, people in the organization who are not happy about that. They'll never say it publicly because because of the way the CBA is is worded. But uh, the OTA practices start, I want to say, in another. 10 days, maybe. And so that'll be really interesting. And those are voluntary, too, but those are like actual practices. Right. So if he starts missing those, then I think it's a bad it's a bad look for him because, I mean, come on, you're out of football all the last season. Uh, you got a new team. They gave you a lot of money. How about showing up, being a leader, you know, building some chemistry with your offensive line and your quarterback, your teammates, um, you know, making that sort of effort to show that you want to be part of the program. So uh, I'm cutting him a little slack right now, but if he doesn't show up for these OTAs, then to me that's just inexcusable. But that's what it's about, Rich. I mean, this is not just a guy, this is not just a veteran player who's been very accomplished, who, you know, just wants to take a break for a little bit during the voluntary stuff and has been there. This is a guy that, number one, is new to the team, and then number two has a history of holding out or sitting out. So, I mean, I don't have to tell you, that's, that's going to be headline news there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you said take a break. Take a break from what? You know, he's sat out the whole time. <laughs> it's not like he's beat up. And I'm sure he's working out on his own. I mean, he's posting pictures on social media of him doing workouts. I don't doubt that for a second. I know he's got a trainer down in Miami that he's working with. But you know as well as I know that there's a difference between working out on your own and working with teammates. And... It's just, it's just, it's not good. I mean, I, I, I just think you'd want to, you know, turn over a new leaf and come in and, and make a statement to your team and show you want to be part of the program. And uh, you got twenty six million guaranteed, I think it was. So, I mean, I think it's it's important that he's there. And um, you know, it's it's, I think it's ridiculous. But he can always say it's voluntary and. You know, the team won't say anything publicly. Only Tom Coughlin actually comes out and, you know, chides <laughs> players for, for not showing up to voluntary workouts. But I think if you gave uh, Adam Gase some truth serum, he would say that he is disappointed that he's not there. All right, last one I've got for you, Rich, is suddenly the Jets have five quarterbacks on their roster. I mean, I think we all know what's going on with Darnold and, and probably Simeon, but if they, if they keep three, who do you think is the three there? Give me the the early projection for you well i think it would be luke falk i mean they just picked him up on waivers last week he was with gase a little bit in miami last year adam really likes him from what okay. i understand uh davis webb a former third round pick of the giants who spent last season on the practice squad is also there brandon silver uh they picked him up from the arena league i think he'll probably get cut soon and uh, but I'd give the edge to uh, Falk as the third guy simply because Adam knows him, and so he probably knows the offense. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's going to give him a little leg up on on Davis Webb for the all important third. <laughs> 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 you know, which they hope, of course, will never see the field. And you're right, Simeon will be the number two. And Rich, I have one more question for you again on quarterbacks, and it's more kind of global AFC East. Uh, a lot of us up here thought. 
it could be pretty fun over the next several years if now that Rosen is with Miami, if Rosen and Darnold and, and Josh Allen up here in Buffalo kind of hang for a while in this division and have great rivalries build up. That That's not uh, out of the realm of possibility for any of those three, right? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be, I mean, of course, opening day with Josh and, and Sam. It'll be fun because those guys are, you know, good friends and uh, they'll be battling for many years. And I thought it was a great move for Miami to pick up Josh Rosen. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't the biggest Josh Rosen fan when he was coming out in the draft. I think he's got a great skill set. He can throw the ball. He probably throws it better, not further. I think Josh Allen would win that competition, but he probably throws it better from a mechanical standpoint than Sam or Josh. And it was great for Miami. I mean, they gave up a two, but they have extra draft picks. And why not? I mean, it's like a one-year audition for him. If he if he plays well, then Miami has found their quarterback. And if he doesn't, they could just move on and, and draft someone in next year's draft, which will be better for quarterbacks. So you're right. It could be a really fun – I mean, Sam and uh, and Josh Allen – I mean, uh, Josh Rosen had that rivalry in college with yep. the whole L.A. thing, UCLA and USC. Yep. And, uh, I, I think it would be kind of cool if they had that – going again in the division. I do too. It'll be fun. Rich, thanks for this. We appreciate it. Thanks for getting us caught up on the Jets. You bet. Take care. There he is, Rich Samini. We'll take a time out here. 803 is the phone number. Last call is next. The Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Well, hockey Twitter is enraged right now. If you're not watching Bruins Blue Jackets... My microphone back on here. Just an outrageous decision by the referees. I mean, Charlie McAvoy, who's been running around all playoffs, is kind of getting a bit of a reputation for reckless hits. Dude comes flying in, targets the head of Blue Jackets forward Joey Anderson, hits him in the head. Anderson leaves the game, from what I saw, with what I assume is a concussion, and the refs talk about it and give him a two-minute minor. Just an absolute joke, and I just pointed this out on Twitter. Like People complaining about replay and all of it, Like when referees make brutal mistakes like that, that's why replay exists. And that's why I've argued that you need to make officials full-time to limit mistakes like what just happened in Columbus. I mean, the guy... Went all head. It's just, it, it's amazing that mistakes like that can happen. Because I got to assume the refs are thinking, hey, it's playoffs and we got to be sure. We're not going to give him five. I don't know. Just an absolute joke. He's going to, well, the one thing here though, if Blue Jackets uh, extend this series, or even if not, McAvoy's going to get suspended, I think. And maybe they might play into the fact that he only got two minutes to maybe give him an extra game or something. I don't know. But you got to suspend him for that. Just a joke. All right. That's it for me. That game, by the way, is going into the third period. Bruins lead 1-0 on a David Krejci goal. Just hit second intermission. So you got a little time before that game gets underway again. That's it for me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll have NHL playoffs here tomorrow on WGR at 7 o'clock. So you won't get me, but you will have some hockey on our airwaves tomorrow at 7. Thanks, everybody, for listening. ESPN Radio up next here on WGR.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.